Hello and welcome to ExperienceCast from the QOE, where we bring you insights about customer and employee experience to offer new perspectives on organisational performance. And in our last episode, we explored the growing issue of mental health in organisations. And obviously we know what an important issue this is, but it was really interesting to receive quite a number of messages uh, which confirmed just what an important issue this is. So in this episode, we connect the debate around mental health to the concept of discretionary effort, which is something that came up through one of our recent podcasts. And the reason for doing this is to question whether we should be creating the conditions for our employees to increase the effort they put in at work, or whether we should be trying to reduce the effort required for them to perform their role in order to try and improve their well-being. So joining me today to debate this issue is Lee Page, a customer experience professional who recently left a large engineering company after 30 years, and Carl Lyon, the QOE's executive coach and author of Perpetual Experience. So, gentlemen, welcome to you both today. Good afternoon, Tony. Good afternoon, Tony. So, thank you both for joining us today for the podcast. So, I'd like to start by, I suppose, picking up from where we left off last week. So, Carl, we were sort of left with this idea of um, the relationship between an organisation and its employees and the impact that that has on mental health. But what are some of the things that we should be thinking about in terms of how we move forward uh, to start with, with this, with this issue of mental health? What were some of the key issues that came out of the, the podcast for you last week? Yeah, thank you, Tony. Um, it was interesting because the podcast had a lot of reaction, as you said, and some people have been in contact with us. The whole, the subject is, is, is an interesting one from lots of different perspectives. Why should companies care? How far does their duty of care go? So uh, for some companies, you could argue quite rightly that they're, they're thinking about mental health outside of their own organisation. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a question of what is the mental health of our people, regardless of just the working environment, the home life as well. Um, and that took me back into some conversations we had probably three or four years ago around this subject. And we were looking about uh, energy and we were saying, is it a role of a company to drain all the energy from its employees um, so when they left at the end of every day they'd felt they'd really contributed but they were drained or should the company actually be a positive energy source for employees so when they go home they're more invigorated and it's really interesting to think of how this rebound this is this sort of rebound between our personal life our home life if you like and um, our business life and the interplay between the two so I, I think that is one of the strong messages that came out uh, from that last session, as well as how we can how we can support it. Yeah, thanks, Carl. And that's interesting that you, you go back to that piece of research that, that the QOE did several years ago around positive energy and some of those some of those characteristics around energy generators in people were things like personal belief, personal development, and empowerment, and also the ability to influence. And all these things are coming back into focus in these discussions around employee experience, where. Some of the research we discussed last week showed that mental health and positive mental health often came from the ability to uh, grow in your role, but also the ability to have influence within your role over decisions. So, Lee, I'm wondering if I might come to you with this. You, I know you've just come out of a, a large organisation after a period of time. What are some of your thoughts, first and first of all, on this idea of mental health and the relationship between an organisation and the mental health of its employees? Yeah, it's, a, for me, it's an important area. You know, the, the mental well-being of, of your staff does directly impact how how they perform both for the company but also for, for their customers. And for me, it's something that I probably picked up around around 10 years ago where actually we were going through a really difficult time as, as a business in a particular area and actually just giving your staff the right level of support, understanding what, what, what they were going through 
actually meant that even though it was a difficult time work-wise, that actually they, they, were, they were still coming to work energised and actually still having that ability to do more than what was expected of them. So actually, for me, it's, it is actually quite a key thing, but actually, having come out of a, an organisation I've been in for the best part of 30 years, what I didn't realise is the impact that work does have on individual mental health. So actually, I've, I've seen an improvement in mine um, significantly since stepping out of that world. But actually, at the time, I didn't realise the level of impact it was having. So actually, although I could see it and could see the benefits of it from the staff, is actually really understanding deeper what impact it is, it is actually having. And I think that's probably the key for me. It's, it's not so much the superficial side of, of understanding mental health, but it's actually getting into the deeper elements, how individuals' mental health actually impact them, not just in the workplace, but actually away from it as well. Thanks, Lee. Yeah, I think you make a really important point there as to sort of when you're in role in an organisation in a complex, pressured environment, it's often not that easy to see how how your work is having an impact on you as a person on your mental health and the extent to which you're taking work home and thinking about work outside of work but I think you're absolutely right you know it, it happens to, to a great many of us um, in terms of that stress that we bring home this seems like a good point to, to pick up on something that came out of a, a recent podcast where we were talking with um, Stuart Bromley around discre- this idea of discretionary effort which is a term that's being increasingly used to sort of capture that sense of how do you motivate employees to go that extra mile in the organisation, as you were saying, Lee, you know, you, you could see that giving staff support meant they came to work energised. So, Carl, what are some of your thoughts around this idea of discretionary effort? Is that something that we should be aiming for, for employee experience? And if so, how might we go about it? Okay, so I do not like the phrase. And I'll tell you my reasoning here is that I think we should be concentrating our efforts on making work easier, making work more positive, making work more rewarding. So in effect, people are putting in less effort. They may be producing more, but we're not just looking for effort, we're looking for people that produce more. So I've got a bit of a problem with discretionary effort. I know what people are meaning, but in fact, you know, I, had the, I knew Lee only three or four months ago, and the difference in Lee now, as he rightly says, between where he was in his organization and now, now he's out of that company is huge. Um, and I would think Lee is much more productive now than he was when he was in his when he was in the company. Would you would you endorse that, Lee? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think it's it's having that different clarity of thought, the ability to process information probably in a different way, but actually you're able to see a a different picture rather than the picture that's in front of you from an organisation. So, so actually, I do see that significantly. That actually tuning someone's mental health however you do it, actually does just change the way that that person both performs and thinks. So actually, I, I do agree with you, Carl. I think it's key to actually unlock in potential in people. And I'm saying this with Lee, who was one of the most progressive people in that company and wasn't anybody that anyone would think was having any difficulty within that company at all, um, was leading the transformation, was leading the change to a more customer-centric approach. So it just goes to show, doesn't it? Um, and I've seen this in four or five different people over the last couple of years that I've seen in role and then move on to another role, stepping out of, say, a big, a big telco into a smaller company. And it's only two or three months afterwards that they can see the clarity of thought they now have that they didn't have when, when they were in, in role. So that discretionary effort is, a, is an interesting one because you want more output, but is it effort that you're after or is it clarity or is it, what is it we're after? 
But that's, that's quite a hard sell, though, isn't it, in terms of telling an organisation or a senior management team that you want people to put in less effort. Well, I, I totally agree with your, your argument. But, I mean, Lee, from your experience, if somebody had come into you in, in your role in, in that organisation and said, right, we want employees to work less hard, how would that have been taken? I think it wouldn't have gone down well initially because effort is seen as, as output. But actually, if we're thinking of what, what output actually is, it's the quality. So it's, it's a hard sell, but actually I think it's the right sell um, because actually you'll get more productivity and more output by actually helping those individuals. So yeah, I 100% agree it's going to be a difficult one to sell in any organisation, but actually it's one of those ones that if we tackle it right, will actually transform the way that people work and, and businesses work. Thanks, Lee. So, Carl, sort of following on from that point about less effort is perhaps what we're after. Obviously, that is one of our trademark huge generalisations. Is that something that is, is a universal thing? Should we be seeking for employees to work less hard or more efficiently? Or does it depend on the nature of the organisation? If you're a startup, surely you want that kind of, you know, put in lots of effort, uh, high energy, high drive. But that might not be appropriate for every kind of organisation. It's a difficult one to get right. Um, You referenced the conversation with Stuart Bromley a couple of episodes ago, and he was talking about it really well, where you need to talk about, you talk about the psychology of the company, it's about what it is to be in that company, and what is the nature of effort. Yes, we all need to put effort in at some stage. And I don't think I'm proposing going into companies and saying, reduce the effort of your staff. But what I think is, if we make things easier, and we look at, just like we do with customers, we we're looking at customer experience. We say, how can we make it easier for customers to buy from us, easier for customers to self-service? Why aren't we doing exactly the same with our employees? If we take the load off in one space, it'll get a positive outcome. They'll be in a positive frame of mind. And then we'll get more output, more productivity in other areas. So I think you're right, Tony. I, I think you can't go in and say, I want to reduce the effort in your company. But we can try to restructure that a little bit so the effort's in the more productive places. Thanks, Carl. I want to bring us on a little bit onto how technology might work in this, because as we focus increasingly on employee experience, there's a growing focus on what's the role of technology in this, you know, in terms of particularly in terms of effort, the amount of effort that's required to use systems, navigate systems. But also there's a, an interesting piece of research that I came across through, through preparing for this, which was around how su- the use of technology to survey employees and surveillance technology can affect discretionary effort. And this idea that in, in, this was a piece of a study done in, in the care work sector, but how, as how technology was increasingly used to survey employees, they increased their commitment to the customer, even though their commitment to the organisation reduced. So what, how should we be thinking about the use of technology in terms of effort, uh, employee experience, and, and you know, the extent to which we are monitoring employees to, to deliver the intended outcomes? Uh, that's a difficult question, Tony, as, as it is measuring effort uh, with, with uh, customers. Um, there was a bank recently, it's been in the headlines in the news, made a poor attempt at measuring employee engagement by how long they were logged in. And it, they got rightly so, got a, quite a big backlash from it. There's other companies that have been measuring things like in the completely other way, completely tangibles like happiness. And, and that's difficult to link back sometimes. It's, it's one you can do if you're focused. So you talked about technology and how we can use technology to make things easier for our own people. Um, I think we do need to put some measurement in around that. And we need to we need to record that the employees are finding it easier. Uh, it's reducing strain. Um, how we do that it can be tricky. But if you do it with the right intention around a piece of work, which is genuinely designed to take the load off 
employees, then you'll get the, all the evidence you need and you'll get the positive feedback. That's called Lee, what are your thoughts on that? Because, you know, having worked for a, a period of time in a large provider, what are your views on the use of technology to, and, and its relationship with effort particularly? It's a difficult one because if, if you're using the technology to monitor your staff, that in some ways can be a demotivator. You can't have it as a, you know, as a big brother approach. Where actually if you reverse it round, that actually it's a tool for the employee to help reduce their effort and help assist their customers. I think it's, it's both how the technology is both thought about, implemented and, and designed, but it can't be a corporate tool to, to uh, manage staff. It has to be a, a tool that's there to support the employees and actually help them support their customers. So as, as is usually the case with technology, the technology is fairly benign, but it is, I suppose, comes down to how we use that technology and to what ends and what are we asking of it and what are we doing with the data? Yeah, absolutely. A few years ago, we got involved with um, some technology, it was vehicle, vehicle tracking technology. And when it was positioned that it was to get the most for the company, to get the right engineer there at the right time with the right tools, uh, it wasn't very well received. But when uh, it was positioned in a different market as something to help the guys in the vans and the girls in the vans to complete their work so they can get home on time or get home early, uh, it was received completely differently because then it was positioned as we can help you find your way around traffic jams, around road incidents. Um, we can try and line up your work for you so that you'll be able to get your workload done and get home and see the children at night and that sort of stuff. When it was positioned in that way, uh, it was a win-win. The company got everything done, but also the people in the vans were actually really motivated to, to use the equipment. That's just black and white. It's how, it's how you use this stuff, how you deploy it, and what, your, what the purpose is for deploying it. If it's all about the company, then you, know, you can run up against some really some really significant problems. No, that makes a lot of sense, I think, absolutely. And it, it depends if you can sell the benefits to, to employees as to how that technology is being used. And I, I imagine you're much more likely to get people involved in, in seeing the benefits of it. it. It feels like a good point to bring in a question. We had a question this week based on that podcast from last week through the website, which was from Chris, who's working for a medium-sized company in the retail sector in the Midlands. And the question was, so based on what we were talking about around discretionary effort, this question was, how do you get or how can you get your employees to go the extra mile? Now, obviously, we've, we've talked about some of the perhaps the problems with discretionary effort. But, Lee, going back to your experience around, you know, getting staff to be more energised, how do you get your employees to go the extra mile? What are some of the ways in which you might do that? I, I personally wouldn't describe it as the extra mile. I think it's, it's how you get the best out of all of your people. Now, some of that can be really getting into your staff and understanding how they tick but it can also be little motivational things like uh, bringing a pizza in or something that just shows that they're not just there from a, a nine to five and just there for the business but actually that you take time and care and, and understand their, their needs but I think also a key part of it is actually listening to them because they'll have a significant number of frustrations and actually just by yourselves listen to them they'll actually come up with some great ideas around how to improve the business. And actually, if they see some of those ideas come to fruition, actually, that's suddenly just is a massive motivator. What we need to look at is how you get your best out of your people rather than asking them to go the extra mile. Yeah, that's a thing that's come up quite a lot on the podcast recently, Lee. Thank you for this idea of really listening. So, you know, and what that looks like in different contexts and the importance of knowing specifically what your employees and your team or your direct reports really need and that would be very different in, in you know often in different contexts within the same organization 
Carl, what do you think around this, the extra mile? I know you've said you know effort is not necessarily what extra effort is what we should be after, but when you're involved in work that you find pleasurable, almost going the extra mile is it's not going the extra mile. You, you're doing the work because you employ it. So is there something in that? There is, Tony. I, I, I was just thinking uh, something very similar, actually. If um, by getting the employee to go the extra mile is that um, they enjoy that mile, then you're not asking them for extra, any more effort, are you? Or you're asking for effort they like, they want to expend, as it were. So uh, the two things are connected. And I have to say, he was talking about there is about knowing your people and knowing their motivations. This is something that's talked about an awful lot, but it's sometimes quite difficult to do. One of the reasons behind that is something we, we covered on the last podcast, that if you're in a bad place with your own mental health, empathy with other people becomes very difficult. It's one of the key things that you notice in people that are really suffering. So when last week we said, you know, look at the health of your direct report, don't always look down, look up the company. That's something I think we need to get into because otherwise we're not going to get this personalization that Lee's talking about, and rightly so, that can help motivate the individuals. Because if you know people, then we're all good at motivating somebody if we know them, we understand them. We know a pizza makes a difference or actually we know that an extra 10 minutes run in the park at lunchtime makes the difference. If we know our people, then it's, it's easy. But the ability to engage with people really quite often reflects our own mental health. Thanks, Carl. I want to go off on a slight tangent, but this is coming back to one of the things that came out through, again, one of the recent podcasts. And the term is congruence. It's not a term that everyone's familiar with, but it's the idea of if an organisation is not congruent in its behaviour, then it can cause adverse stress and mental health. So this idea of congruence is often referred to as coming out of a, a theory by a guy called Carl Rogers, a theory of therapy. And it's, it's when there's a conflict between a person's self-image and how other people see that person. When you apply it to organisations, you have this idea of a conflict between how customers see the organisation and how employees see the organisation. So there's this idea that if an organisation is not working in a congruent fashion, then it can have an adverse effect on, on, on mental health. And I think we increasingly see this with focus on customer experience and the difference between outcomes for customers and outcomes for employees. So, Carl, what are your thoughts on this idea of congruence? If an organisation is not working in a congruent fashion, and we know that that's having a negative impact on mental health in the organisation, what can we do about that? Because that's, that's quite a big challenge, isn't it? If there's, a, if there's a big gap between the external perception of the organisation and the internal perception of the organisation, what are some of the things that we might be able to do about that? That's a really great thought, Tony. Um, uh, spot on. I think um, a lot of the issues we find are just of that nature. I, there's some interesting work done um, by some companies that can assess the difference between what a company thinks about its brand and what its customers think about its brand. I'd love to see some of that deployed internally as to what the employees really feel about their company and about their brand. Not what they say in, in surveys, but what they, what they really think about their company. And if we can do that in a fashion that is perhaps depersonalized, because it probably needs to be, and we could really understand it, I think it would show us and it would give us the, um, the areas to focus on to make the biggest impact on the employee experience and to get the biggest return. So what I mean by that is I see a lot of effort into employee experience that doesn't get the return it deserves. It's because it's not focused, because companies don't know the difference. Uh, they don't really understand what their employees are liking, not liking, where the stresses are. That insight, I think, would make a huge difference to what we could do with employee experience and the outputs we get from it. That's Carl Lee. What are your thoughts on that? Because I imagine working for a big energy provider, and you, there was probably some tension between the external view and the internal view of the organisation. Was that the case, and how did you navigate that? Yeah, I mean, this 
this one probably was the most difficult thing that we probably went through. It was us both understanding what we were as a business and what our customers actually wanted from us. And actually, that was that was difficult for us because we felt we were a good quality engineering company, but actually, what our customers wanted was something totally different. And that yeah, that took a significant amount of time and effort to really turn the organisation around. And some of that did require some leadership changes to help with that that momentum to move to to a much more customer centric, really understanding the customers' needs and putting the needs of the customers around how we build the services rather than it being just a pure engineering based solution. And I think that, you know, that comes from probably, you know, the type of company that we were, that, um, you know, we were, we were a good engineering company. So we felt that that was the way that our customers wanted it. And I think that's where you, you then get that disjoint between what a company's trying to do and what the customers want. And that's when it can then have that real tension for your employees because your employees will always want to give a great service the customers that they're dealing with, but there may be things in the background that are preventing them from doing it. So it's actually really trying to understand that core purpose of the business and how it best serves its customers. And if you can get those two bits together, then you can really understand what your business is. And so, so following on from that, you've mentioned that that's obviously a huge piece of work for an organisation to do, particularly an organisation of, of any particular size, and it involved, in your experience, some leadership changes. But I appreciate it's difficult to summarise you know, a huge project like that in, into bullet points, but I mean, what were some of the main obstacles and, and solutions, would you say, to, to achieving that significant change in perception to make the organisation more congruent in terms of its, its perception of itself? So the, 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 first, the first one was getting the organisation to believe there was a problem that needed to be solved. So that was probably the first big element that took time. And that probably took around two, probably three years of influencing to, to really get um, that understood across the organisation. And I, I would still say it, it will be a, a path that the organisation will need to go through over a number of years um, to get there fully. But it's, it's how you change almost the DNA of an organisation. And that's, that's not easy. You can't do it overnight. It's it's a slow process of getting to a stage where your customers' needs are really brought to the surface and also actually showing the customer's pain. And you also then have to really understand the DNA of the organisation to actually help that organisation understand how it can best deploy something different. So an engineering-based company needs its processes, procedures. So actually, you've got to be very structured in terms of how you, how you think around those sort of changes. Thanks, Lee. And Carl, I know you've had some, some involvement with this. So what are your, some of your thoughts around this idea of the work that's involved to help an organisation shift its perception of itself to have a, a qualitatively different impact on its employees? Yeah, I um, had got involvement with that along with Lee um, in that company. And I think it was a huge change they went through from understanding what the company was really about. And I think it's on many levels, as, as Lee's described. <clears throat> Back to our topic for today, some of those were quite personal. And I think on occasion, it was absolutely appropriate to support some of those individuals that knew an engineering background. They knew the decisions they had to make and they knew how to make the decisions in that background. And to help people move into an environment that did have more emotional content to it, um, that's quite a challenge. And I think it's a huge credit to the people involved in the organisation that they were able to make that change. So some of it is on a, on a company corporate level. And Lee is absolutely right. There needed to be some change of leadership to signify, to signal this was, was, the company was serious about it, as it were. But then there's lots of personal uh, change that has to happen. 
and I think part of what we're doing with the employee experience is to help that and help people see and help them find their way through it. You know, myself, I, I'm engineer at heart, and now I'm working in this environment, and that's quite a, that's quite a change. Tony, you're 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 on a journey from a very academic background into this environment, and that that takes some change. And I think we need to support individuals during that process. So that's that's a, a good point to get to the last question, really, which was that if if we know that we need to support individuals through these processes of change then what can we do to, to create this support and what kind of support do we need? Lee, in, in your thoughts, what, do you, what, what are some of the support mechanisms that we need to, to put in place if we're trying to take our employees through a process of change and you know, realign an organisation? So I, I think some of it is actually building those, some of those change around what your employees have told you needs to change. So actually it, it can't be seen as a change that's been driven solely from the top. It has to be something that the team are brought into and actually feel as though they have significant amounts of purchase in what that future looks like. So for me, having them involved right from the early, the early concept of it and then having, having you know, almost like champions within teams that are there supporting their teams, but also bringing their view from their teams and what needs to happen. Actually, that's, that's the key thing for me. It, it can't be just yourself as a leader driving that change it's got to be your people that are, are understanding it understanding their needs and having their skin in that game with that change so that's probably the most important thing for me it's it's, it's that skin in the game thanks lee and carl your, your thoughts on that i mean this idea that whether it's supporting employees through a period of you know significant change or whether it's just supporting them through through their day-to-day it strikes me that this is where this idea of leadership really comes down throughout the organisation and not just the leadership of the, at the top of the organisation because people will do a lot for a great leader, whether that's you know a CEO, whether that's their manager. So what are some of the things that leaders, managers should be or could be doing to, to support employees uh, to help them get them more on board? Yeah, leadership's a, a, another whole great topic, as we know. Um, there's some elements to leadership. Some people are very happy to be led and other people are not happy to be led. And I, I totally get what... Lee was saying about allowing your people to buy into it. Sometimes as leaders, we build a simple message and we're doing that to try and get something across to people that is easy for them to digest, gives a clear direction. What we may be missing is the fact that we have thought through all the complications to get to that easy, straightforward, simple proposition. And what Lee was talking about there was letting other people take the same journey. So sometimes simplification is good, but other times it's not because, okay, we've got a simple um, scenario here. We're going to do the right thing for customers. What does that mean in my role? I haven't had a chance to think through. So I think it is uh, taking people on that journey with you, especially different types of people. Some would like to stop and consider other very spontaneous and very emotional and jump onto things and, uh, I think we described the, some of them as, as like a husky. You know, things that people don't realise realize about um, putting a sledge with a husky is you're not trying to get the husky to start. You're trying to get it to stop. As soon as it's changed to the sled, it wants to, it wants to pull. So you've got people like that. You've got other people that are more reflective. And that's the challenge for a leader is to take or the company or the whole area of a change has to facilitate all those different people. If you can do that, then you give everybody a reduced effort way to do things. Some people, yes, let's charge, climb a mountain, and they'll go with you. Other people need the information. 
other people need time to reflect on it, then personally commit to it. So it's trying to make something that appeals to the different types of people. And that's difficult if you're a strong leader. So sometimes strong personalities don't make good leaders, but people that can engage with the people they're in and come across as authentic increasingly, they're the people that will lead and improve the employee experience at the same time. Carl, Lee, thank you both very much for your thoughts on this topic. It's been great talking with you both. Thank you, Tony. A huge thank you to my guests, Lee Page and Carl Lyon, for their help in tackling this topic of effort and well-being in organisations. And thank you too for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Experience Cast. If you'd like to find out more about what we do at the QOE, just visit theqoe.com and you'll find information about the range of ways that we can support you in your work, including coaching, short courses, workshops and group discussions. And also don't forget that we debate your questions on Experience Cast. So if you've got a question you'd like us to explore, please just send it to us by going to theqoe.com and clicking on Ask Us a Question. Thanks and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye.